0: Welcome to Women About Business, a weekly conversation where we focus on African women being about our business. I'm Kimberly Ofori, and join us as we dive into the world of noted entrepreneurs and learn more on how to start, run, and grow your business.
1: A good morning or a good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to another episode of Women About Business with myself yes. and uh, Kimberly Ofori. We're already Kimberly, looking fab. How are you, Kimberly?
0: <laughs> yes, alive and well. I must say, this time very important detail. But um, no, um, really doing good. I think. Um, I think as as we were just mentioning before the, the recording, very busy weeks. Very. Uh, Weeks that are going really fast, Um, but I think also very exciting because um, as we are in this kind of partial lockdown, I feel um, that we we were able to get more in control and get ahead of things. Then um, the first time it was like, okay, a few weeks passed, we just panicked and like, what are we doing? And now um, really kind of planning towards it. We already knew that we were gonna be in this situation for a while. So I think it's been going um, much better. I'm learning not to overload in planning, you know, which is very tempting when you're doing everything virtually. So yeah, no, I think, yeah, we're getting there. Baby steps.
1: (laughs) That's the right way. That's the right way ahead. You're absolutely right. Uh, so we have a lovely, lovely face here uh, um in our midst. Should we call it on our virtual midst <laughs> and uh, that that's thanks to you, Kimberly would you would you care to to introduce our our special guest before we get to talking?
0: Oh, I have the honors. so we have uh, Rochelle Clark um What can I not say? I think uh, we first met uh, via LinkedIn. I sent her a a LinkedIn request like I had been doing all summer with people I found interesting. I saw her that she was uh, part of this conference on family business. But then uh, I looked on her profile and I saw that she had a very interesting background actually being a country manager at Heineken, traveling all around the world, um, having done consultancy at Accenture. So such a diverse background. And I was like, First of all, I just gravitate towards um, ambitious women, you know, women who are making things happen. And so for, that for me was like, okay, I need to connect some way or any other. Uh, but she was very kind of um, open. She was like, oh, well, since you're in Amsterdam, let's meet. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was really, really um, pleasantly surprised with our first connection. I think we spoke for hours um, talking about, you know, you know, how has it been, you know, moving from the States and then to, you know, other countries and then getting to Amsterdam, which is completely different from most European countries, even if you're going to be in Europe. And how did she move from like country manager Heineken, like top level position to like, oh, by the way, I'm starting my own firm and it's being yeah. family, family business. Like I was so intrigued. Uh, and so her story is just amazing. I think she has an amazing personality. We'll find out um while we talk some more but yeah so Rochelle Clark thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me thank you so much and I'm sure that
2: we probably won't have as much time as we did sitting down for lunch (laughs) I'm just so happy that they didn't kick us out of the restaurant um, (laughs) there was a lot to cover so I'm so happy to be here on the show today
1: yeah yeah Kimberly seems to do that to, to people she she just takes you know your whole uh what is it afternoon time for for like a strong meeting wow thank you the shame
0: (laughs)
2: there there were a lot of connection
0: points so i was really happy about that (laughs) yeah i know and and the reason why she's saying that for context is when i first met miss abba which was i think also through linkedin we met and then we spoke for like four hours in a restaurant yeah Yeah. she has
2: that impact on people it's a a (laughs) good lengthy talk but then but then you feel so good afterwards, you know? And then it results in
0: in in opportunities like this to share the story. So Absolutely. it's a good thing. But well, could you do us the honors of please telling us a little bit more about yourself in your own words?
2: Absolutely. So I am Rochelle Clark, as you know. I was born in Guyana, which is in South America, but I have by now spent most of my time living in the US. As you mentioned, I lived in a number of countries. Um moved around quite a bit for for work and um, for personal reasons for life and for me it's been quite an exciting journey I find myself here in Amsterdam which of course has been my the last stop of my journey but one that I enjoy quite a bit and you know to be quite honest I would classify myself essentially as a person on a journey um it, it's been a it's been a fantastic journey so far hindsight is always the best way to look at these journeys as opposed to when you're actually in it but I would say it's it's been fantastic so far and I am on a journey um right now it's an entrepreneurial journey for me and the purpose of this journey is to fundamentally change the way that business owners think about their businesses for the future um that is my focus now indeed Kimberly as you mentioned um my career was definitely in corporate that's where it started i grew up in and around family-owned businesses so this is where my passion for them comes and i'm really happy to be able to translate a lot of my experience and what i've learned along the way to helping these businesses not only family owned businesses but other businesses as well because i focus on both succession and business continuity and actually, the order of that is very important. I say I, I, I start usually start with business continuity, then move, in, move into succession. And the nuance being business continuity, being securing the business for the short-term future, and then succession when you're thinking longer-term, so medium yeah. to the longer-term future of the business. So yeah. in, in a nutshell, and I, that's quite a big nutshell...
0: Um, that's today <laughs> thank you so much for that i think yeah. it, it's so interesting to hear that uh something i didn't catch on the first time we spoke is that you actually grew up around family-owned businesses so um i'm curious to find out still you had things going for you right what made it uh what really pushed you to go entrepreneurial route because it's not the safest one it's not the most secure and it's also not you know something that is easy you don't just go like let me take the easy way out and become an entrepreneur no. like no. you work very hard to get to where you were I think this is a primary question for a lot of women who have reached a certain level in their career and then they feel like they want to do something else but <laughs> is that a hard decision or am I being dumb like what <laughs> yeah.
2: this is this is a good question that you ask. And to be quite honest, um, the way this started out for me, it wasn't just waking up one morning and then saying, Oh, what I'm going to do is leave my lovely cushy job to enter the world of the unknown. That is not the way that it happened for me. Yeah, it definitely was a situation where I had this calling on the inside that I was very happy to ignore for quite some time. <laughs> That's because I was you know, the, the life that I was living at that time was was really one that I was enjoying. I was enjoying the journey that I was on in the corporate world. And indeed, after a number of years of working, um, I was starting to see the fruits of of, of some of the, the work that I had put in. Um, yeah. So it was a journey that I was really enjoying. But I had this calling on the inside and and that resulted from myself. Flying, I found myself flying home from a family funeral, frantically putting a business continuity plan in place for one of the family's operations because the owner had passed. His daughter wasn't yet ready to take over the business. So there was a crisis of continuity. So I was very quickly able to pull a lot of what I learned in my corporate career in terms of putting business continuity plans in place. I was very quickly able to pull that, lean on that experience and help my own family's business out. And um, what I recognized is that, listen, there are quite a number of companies that are equally as vulnerable. But then it was one of those things where I just said, yeah, but somebody else is going to help them. Somebody else is out there who I am sure can be picking up the banner and helping these companies because I have other things to get done in my life. Yeah. Um, and it was this, um, this calling on the inside that, that I ignored and I pushed for quite some time. And I don't know if I shared with you, Kimberly, but what was confronting for me is that I think it was New Year's um, and I had taken, someone had taken a picture of me and I avoided looking at this picture for quite a number of months. And that was because it was almost as though I was speaking to myself through the eyes of the picture, Hmm. right? And the message that was coming across loud and clear was just one word. Entrepreneur, 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 and I was telling myself, no, no, no. Um, so um, you know that this, this, this was the calling, and it essentially never really went away. Um, so I decided, okay, if this is something that I'm going to do, this is the way that I would like to have it done. So I put the plan in place, but there were some elements that definitely needed to be present in whatever venture I was starting. So. Fortunately, I was able to line things up and put those um, elements in place before I then was comfortable in in, in launching publicly. Um, and I would say that that the reception has been quite positive, um, and that has really put the wind in my sails to to keep going. So, um, obviously, in that time, I um I, I decided to pursue this full time and and. As they say, the rest is history. Wow. Is
0: history. That's, That's amazing. I love
2: how you, love how you describe um,
1: that call that you, um, that mm-hmm. you describe it somewhat as, as a voice that keeps talking to you, yeah. that kind of tells you, uh, you know, this is where you should be. Yeah. And um, I think that correlates with a lot of entrepreneurs because they all uh, have that, whether they are still in corporate or whether they are on their business. But for a lot of people, it is hard to make that final decision and to be sure as to what is the right timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, when was that? When, how did you know that it was the right timing? Of course, you're going to look at other aspects, the, the finances and, yeah. uh, you know, time. When was that um, step for you? And how did you know, like, okay, this is the way forward and I am, I am
2: ready for it? Well, one of the things that I would say, you know, some people, um, you know, when you read the bumper stickers, some people just say, oh, just go do it. Just, you know, if you have that calling, just go for it, jump for it. I was not one of those people. (laughs) I needed to ensure that, um, you know, I was taking steps that were measured and relatively well thought out as, 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 as best as I could at the moment. Um, so for me it was not just jumping into the unknown and and kind of saying well whatever works works I ensured that I had a plan in place um, not only to ensure that the business would be a viable venture but just to ensure that this um, my ability to do this in the way that I wanted to do it would be sustained for quite a number of months and this is basically talking about the finances, that I would have the finances to, to essentially fund my, my project, right. And my company, the moment that I decided to make that move was when I started, of course, getting clients, garnering that interest. Um, and you know, then that interest grew. Um, and this is on the back of, um, my writing a book and being, um, invited to, to, to speak on a number of podcasts and, um, yeah. Then Forbes came knocking and asked me to contribute um, on the topic of business continuity. So I was able to see along the way those um, green lights, the traffic lights, that were essentially pointing me in, in that direction of saying, okay, this is a positive move. This is something that you can per- pursue um, and go for it. But I definitely didn't start out without a plan or without the finances to, to see myself through.
0: Right, right. So you actually went on to start with, of course, your strategy to plan, what am I actually doing? But then you worked their second step was business development while still having income. Yes, absolutely. Right. absolutely. And that is, I think it's such an interesting um, uh, thing that you mentioned, because I think I, I have only seen two flavors. It's either you go for it, you jump at it, like you said, just do it. You go with what you have or you go um, gradually. And, uh, but I think the people who go gradually usually struggle with like, what is the order of things now? Because I'm still working. I don't actually have the extra time. I'm still, maybe, maybe you can cut off maybe one day a week to dedicate to the business. Um, but then you have to look at the finances. And so how do you um, kind of define what are the next steps? Do I spend the first three months on strategy or do I just go out there and try to find um, out more about my market? How was that for you?
2: So it's a really good question that you ask and I would put it in this way. I knew that in terms of setting up the company just the way I needed it to be set up, that that would take some time. Um, the business model is definitely advisory. I do a lot of advisory work, but I also wanted to, because the goal ultimately for me is to ensure that a lot of companies, a lot of businesses have access to this sort of expertise, because for some, it's, it's more or less an, an unknown and inaccessible industry, particularly for the companies and the businesses that are most vulnerable. So, to make it more accessible, I recognized that I needed to ensure that we had products that would essentially break down the barriers and be um, available to companies and businesses wherever they are needed. Yeah. Which meant that in terms of setting up my business, a lot of our products are definitely online. We have a suite of online products, and that took time to develop.
0: Right. So, you actually already knew that you wanted to offer a more scalable uh so it was going to be on you as a consultant because she can only do so much exactly right Right. exactly right that and the fact that we have a lot
2: of smaller businesses who let's be honest just can't afford to get or to hire the quality of advisors that their business really really needs Mm. and they yet they're the ones that are most vulnerable right Right. So um, for me in setting up the business, it was ensuring that I had that suite of products available and ready to go. And that for me, I knew would take some time. So in the beginning months, in terms of setting things up, and it took quite some time of myself, you know, working together with the organizational psychologist to really develop these products. um, It was, it was, it it took a lot of time and, and quite a bit of effort. So I mean, I think maybe these are not the things that people talk about, but for me it was getting to the office at, at eight or nine in the morning. So you do your nine to six or, or, or whatever, but then afterwards it's um, you know getting back home, commuting home very quickly, grabbing a bite to eat for dinner, and then jumping onto the, the, the second project or the, the second job, which for me was my company. Right. And I did that for quite some time um, in terms of setting up the business. So essentially I had two businesses and it's working from six in the evening until after midnight, really getting things um, the way that they needed to be. Now, I wouldn't say that that happened without um, an effect or an impact on myself yeah. because it was one of those times when, and I'm the type of person, you have to know yourself, I'm the type of person, if I see the, the vision in my head, then I am working to achieve that vision. Sometimes, to the detriment of my own well-being. Fortunately, not in a major way, and and it's something that I that I keep an eye on. But for me, it was just about seeing this thing really um, come to fruition. Right. So I had those two jobs essentially for quite some time until I reached a point where I was able to say, okay, huh, a. I know that this is not sustainable, right? Just working the number of hours that I was putting in because then you don't have an evening and essentially you're working through the weekends just because you want to see this thing born. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to make a decision and my decision, and, and this was in tandem with seeing the positivity and um, that positive feedback from the marketplace. Then I was in a position where I was able to say, okay, this is something that's ready to go. We can essentially branch off and and um and pursue this full time. Wow, that is so amazing.
1: High of that.
2: Um, I would say over the course of I was working in tandem over the course of at least one year. At least one year, getting things set up. A lot
1: of working hours.
2: A lot of working hours, which of course means that, but and you know. Also not to, to sugarcoat things I think I was relatively fortunate to be at this place in my life where I didn't have competing demands for my time on my time there are others who may not be able to and you know everyone has their own path to follow and everyone has their own way that they will bring their own dreams to life but other people may have other demands on their time, you know, they may have yeah. families that they're supporting, they may have other, other family members or other things going on, and they may not have as much bandwidth to do something in this way. Um, and so from that standpoint, I think everyone's journey is to be respected. But mm-hmm. this was the path that I was able to take. Um, and well, yeah, I would say I was yeah. fortunate that it worked out this way. Although perhaps if it worked out in another way, I would have still been saying that I was fortunate. <laughs>
0: so,
2: you know, everyone has their own path to take and this is the path that, that I have taken.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you, you followed that, that call that you talked about. And I think that's, that's the main, that's the important thing for every entrepreneur. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. It is. So let's talk about business continuum. Well, what, what you focus on, everything uh-huh. that uh, your business is. And um, it's quite unique because, um, you know, you have the aspect of scaling up, you have the aspect of um, starting your business, but that business, focusing on the business as to it has to continue for generations, yeah. seems to be something that is not on, every, uh, on, the, on the priority list of every business. Um, do you think that the continuation of business as you help companies um, uh, execute, is it relevant for any business or is it only relevant for the, the, the bigger ones, um, the ones that have services and products relevant for a longer period of time? How does that work?
2: Listen, I think it's relevant for every business just coming based on my own company's experience. And this is why I make the distinction between business continuity and succession. You know, some companies think, oh, I'll think about passing on to the next generation when my company becomes successful, however they define that to be. But to be quite honest, even before you get to that point, you, I would say you better be looking at business continuity because life happens, right? Yep. And it's more likely that you get sick it's more likely that, you know, there's an unexpected death um, that you may need to deal with in your family. So the position and what I typically say is, listen, the moment you have some person or other people depending on your business in some way is the moment that you should have have a business continuity plan in place. Right. What that means, and and let me ground that. And the moment you decide that your business is not a hobby, right? Which means that the moment that your business is not only supporting you, if you have a family who's also relying on the income of this business, if you have employees who rely on the income of this business, if you have taken out a loan from a creditor, whether it be a bank or another investor, the moment that people are relying on the income of your business is the moment that you should be thinking about what happens if. Yeah, right. This is when you should have a continuity plan in place. And what that plan does is thinking short term. So it's the, um, as we hear the hit by a bus scenario, Mm -hmm. what happens if someone gets hit by a bus tomorrow, then how does the business continue? You know, what happens if we have a key employee or staff member who ups and decides to leave unexpectedly, Mm -hmm. then how does this business continue? And it's really important because what you find is that these are the disruptions that essentially suck the life out of the business when you're really relying on the business to grow.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. So it puts people's lives in jeopardy because they're no, no longer able, it, it's this um, sense of confusion that they now have. And as opposed to putting the effort into growing the business to the next level, it's about figuring out how do we even keep this business running? Yeah. So what I would say is that for every entrepreneur, the moment you have, the moment you decide your business is no longer a hobby, is the moment that you should have a business continuity plan in place. And that essentially covers, okay, who's whom you should be contacting in the event that something were to happen in this business. Now, of course, it's highlighted by a pandemic that we're going through. So I think there, it's being glaringly obvious, the fact that, okay, businesses need a plan in place in the yeah. event that something were to happen. Now, before a pandemic, what I was talking about is somebody getting sick, or somebody, someone getting hit by a bus, or in my in my um, own family situation, if someone unexpectedly passed away, and that person has yeah. the, the knowledge of the business in their head. But what a continuity plan does is essentially, as I mentioned, figure, figuring out whom to contact in the event of. The next is where to find the key documents for the business. Mm-hmm. Right, it documents things like how does this business run? What are the key Um, tasks that go into running this business and what happens if we're no longer able to operate business as usual Mm
0: -hmm. yeah
2: right so it covers a whole lot of that and what we find is that and this is a fun fact but probably a reassuring fact for you your local bank and your local hospital are legally required by the government to have a business continuity plan in place <laughs> All right. Right. i'll give you i'll give you a moment there to, to breathe a sigh of relief right, right. What well that is, what that mm-hmm. essentially means is that if if things go south you can have some sort of reassurance that your bank will continue to operate yeah. or that your hospital will continue to operate but then the yeah. question becomes don't you think your family members or your employees would like that same sort of peace of mind yeah. when it comes to their income
0: absolutely <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You
2: know? So, yeah. so this is the thought process behind business continuity planning. Um, and and one of the things that, that I would have um, mentioned is, you know, our m- my whole reason for being, when it comes to having a company, is to ensure that businesses have access to this sort of information, so that you don't necessarily need to be in the know.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. To access this sort of information and just um. Last Mm -hmm. summer, well, we launched the summer before a tool to automate business continuity plans for small to medium-sized businesses. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we have blown up. So there's the platform that's now fully up and running and fully available. So small to medium-sized businesses can essentially go in there and create their own business continuity plans. But in terms of um, your question, when it comes to the people to whom this would be most applicable, The moment you have someone who's relying on your business, put a plan in place, is what I would say. So folks know how to access the bank account, where your bank accounts are. Uh, Let me not tell you how many people are working in companies and only one or two people know where the bank accounts are or who has signatory rights to these bank accounts, what types of insurance you have. So it's documenting this information. That's the first thing. And then, of course, when you are comfortable, right, and ensure that you have a plan in place for short-term disruptions, then you start thinking long-term. Yeah. What is my plan for this business? Now, some people have a plan to sell the business, perhaps, right? Now, in that case, you're not thinking succession necessarily. But one thing that I would say is that regardless of what you plan to do with this business, it will take some sort of planning. Yeah. Right. So it's not just waking up one morning and um, I I work with, or I am friends with um, people who are also business brokers. And one of the things that we um, shake our heads about is him saying, you know what, they just came in and they said they want to sell the business. And then when I asked them, okay, well, what have you been doing to prepare this business for sale? There's been no action that's been taken and of course my story is the same when we have companies that come in and say you know i'm just going to pass the business on to my son or daughter or someone in the family but then the question has, the question is what have you done to prepare this business for the next step so i think ultimately at the end of the day it's being intentional yeah about the business that you have and the business that you're running yeah right safeguard it but then whatever your future plans are recognize that this will also take some sort of planning to ensure that you get the best out of whatever decision you decide to make for your business yeah yeah i focus on succession and passing that business on right but it definitely takes a few years to ensure that you're able to do this in the right way
0: right i love how you explain this and i think this is such an important topic that is not being discussed for small business owners because when it comes to and i mean we're in the netherlands which and the netherlands is kind of they, we call ourselves and Europe sees us as SME country. Basically, we're just full of SMEs and really it's not ME, it's really S. You know, this is either independent company owners who either do not have staff, but are, do have income that their families are dependent on or they have one or two people that they employ. And so uh, a lot of the times when we, when we look at the numbers, Um, and we look at how the business is set up. Um, The business was built with somebody's idea, somebody's ability to do something, and then they're making money off of it. There is no kind of processes, there's no documentation of what is the business model, what is in my head like you said um how do i think how do i make decisions based on what you know and so if that person gets hit by a bus or there's a pandemic whatever then now and we don't have access to that person simple things like what is the bank account like how how do we get paid or yeah, you know no one simple things like that and i don't think we emphasize enough and like who has signatory rights it's crazy that you do not know this in in a company Um, or that is not at least documented for somebody to find Um, Mm -hmm. like you said because then again if you have like somebody who just puts their paperwork somewhere that you know nobody knows where it is it's something so simple but could mean the demise of the business like where are your papers (laughs) well i think um that's really interesting so can you tell us a little bit more about um some of the um you've already mentioned you know surprisingly how um many people come in unprepared for succession and continuing but uh, what are some of the surprising Experiences that you've had with, with uh, family business owners that oh. are stuck in your mind. And I know you probably have low, but you're top, like top.
2: You know, I do. I do. And, you know, for me, this is, this is, this is an, an opportunity where the way that I would put it is there is a reason why there's so many TV shows that center around families in business. Because there can potentially just be so much drama when it comes <laughs> to working with family members. And right. this is actually, um, you know, as entertaining as it may be, and as as rich as it may be for TV um, value, it's usually actually quite sad when you're sitting down in front of a family because invariably, you know, everyone well, perhaps your audience members may know how much work goes into creating a company. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes some of the saddest, some of the saddest situations are when you see a family sitting in front of you and you just know that this issue that, that, that they're really struggling with can really mean the difference between whether this business succeeds or fails. Wow. Yeah. You know, And for me, that, that's, that's one of the saddest parts because, okay, if we, talk, if we talk statistics, particularly for family-owned businesses, if you look at the failure rates and they say that a family-owned business will fail within three generations if yeah. attention isn't given, they say 15% of that failure is down to poor advice, whether it be tax advice or legal advice or something of the sort. That's 15%. 25% is down to lack of preparedness of the next generation right so this is the situation where i give where you know someone just wakes up one morning and decides oh wow i need to pass this business on who is the person that i will pass it to but
0: right, the
2: successor yeah. isn't well prepared for taking on the business so we'll see 25 percent fail because of that mm-hmm. now a whopping 60 percent 60 will fail because of communication and trust issues Communication and trust issues. Now, if you're doing the math here, essentially that means that 85% of family-owned businesses fail because of reasons that are completely controllable. Right. Preparing the next generation and communicating. Those are all an inside job. Those are (laughs) all an inside job, right? Preparing the next generation. Figuring out whether your successor is prepared for this business. That's an inside job. Of course, there is help that you get from the outside, right? Yeah. But just identifying the right successor and ensuring that they have the time and the bandwidth to get up to speed with how this business is running so that they can take that on. Yeah. That, that starts on the inside. And communicating and trust. Are you looking for a third party on the outside to help you with these conversations? There's help that's available, but the onus of communication starts with the people who are in the business and Hmm. 60% of those businesses will fail because of poor poor communication and trust.
0: So is this something that companies just don't feel is in their control? Do they not know that is the problem? What have you seen? So the,
2: I have seen that a lot of these families and a lot of, and, and this happens in, in business, um, whether it's family owned or not, it's just that avoidance of these little conversations. And what you find is that that one little conversation that you don't have today, because maybe you're uncomfortable, or maybe you don't think it's such a big deal. That one little conversation, avoiding that conversation, then you get over it and you sweep it under a rug. That becomes a habit. Yeah. Yeah right? That habit becomes a way of operating. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then before you know it, you have all of these, you you have this bubble of comfort where you're not having the key conversations that need to be had. Right. And then before you know it, the wheels are falling off the the proverbial bus, as they say. Yeah. But, But it starts with one conversation, the little conversation that you think is not important. So the one where someone is underperforming, but you just, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna have that conversation today. We'll just let it slide, or things will things will come around eventually. Particularly if it's a family member, right? Because yeah. who wants yeah. to have drama in the family and then take it home to the to to the next family reunion or family barbecue? Nobody
0: wants right. to deal yeah. with no, that. Nobody wants yeah. that. Right, right, right. So Don't this is really interesting. So does this? I guess um, this actually comes to something that I want to question you on later on. Is uh-huh. really. Um, some of the softer elements of having a family business are the most crucial. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Very okay. Well. So
2: <laughs> a lot of it a lot of it really hinges on the softer skills. Yeah. Like I mentioned. And a lot of it is around communication, just because in many of our cultures, we don't have a culture of speaking about difficult things.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. Some of our cultures are very um whether it's the patriarch or the matriarch they are the ones who run the ship um so what you find is that having members of the next and you know in generations past we need to definitely pay homage to the fact that things were done very differently from the way that they're done now so now you may have a generation of um younger ones um younger um decision makers who feel comfortable whether it's talking about their feelings or speaking about issues that may be um affecting them and affecting the business. We have to recognize that our parents and perhaps our grandparents did not have such latitude. It may have been a situation where they grew up in an environment where it's do as you're told and you don't question your elders.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Am I right? Absolutely, definitely. But also I think if, if looking at circumstances from an immigrant perspective, most of us are immigrants, whether your are vocation, whatever, you know, we are coming from different cultures. And if you came into another country in order to succeed, uh, you just have to do the work. There was no kind of soft scale or how good are you with your team? Like nobody cares. Like do your job because there was this whole, you know, um, long period of industrialization that was going on around the world, which was just, yeah. Make the things, like build the bricks, you know, get the shoes done, you know, build the cars, you know, you don't have to have all of these soft skills where we're talking about the fact that, you know, the person who's making the the tires is rude, right? Nobody has time for that. And so I think putting all of that into perspective, I do understand that a lot of these kind of, you know, previous previous generation leaders um, did not you know, instill that kind of behavior or could not actually right. team any of that because that's simply not the way that things worked at the time, which is now that we are, you know, far away from industrialization, especially in the Western world. So um, now things matter more about how do you work together in a team and how do you communicate and how do you get transparent, you know, because now trust is an issue. Yes. Yeah. So super interesting. Yeah,
2: trust that and I vulnerability.
0: So indeed, what we
2: find is that this is a skill that many are learning as they go. right? Right. So, you know, it's one thing to look in from the outside and say, oh, but, you know, they didn't handle that in the right way. But I think that we need to give, be gracious about the fact that maybe they did not necessarily have the skills to handle things in a better way um so it's about equipping the members of the family and and one thing that i say is listen these tough conversations broaching a lot of these conversations doesn't necessarily need to always start with the member of the older generation or the more senior generation the important thing is that for the benefit of the business that you're still having that conversation so whoever brings it to the table it can be a member of the older generation member of the younger generation as long as you're having that conversation so everyone is responsible, essentially, for the well-being of the business. And um, once, once you have that license to operate, essentially, we say, just ensure that it's on someone's radar and that you're having, you're having that conversation. And that, of course, help is needed if, if you do need the help, but don't shy away from these because then they become the pattern of, of operation for your business. Right, right. I can see how a
1: bit of psychology comes into play. Yes. In this whole process. Yes.
2: Yes. And it does. Um, I am not a, a trained psychologist, but I do work with organizational and behavioral psychologists. And of course I have, um, a team of of psychologists around the globe whom I work with um, in the event that conversations need that additional layer of professional help to really unpack things. Because let me tell you, issues are really what they appear to be on the face of things. So you may be sitting down with a family and they appear to have um, an, an issue with maybe it's um, voting rights or, or shareholder rights or, or some issue in the operation of the business. But when you yeah. peel back the layers of that onion, what you find is that it may actually come down to some feeling that they had when they were three or four years old. And, but that gives you wow. the bigger piece of chicken. So clearly he favors you. This is why he wants to give you the bigger part of the business. And I am not having it because I have been slighted all of my life.
0: I know. right? And and
2: this is is my way to show that, you know, I am reacting to that. So, you know, and we're human. We're all human. And I'm sure that there's some element of this that someone of us is carrying. Everyone is carrying from our childhood. Um, But what you find is that people may need additional help if that becomes a stumbling block and a hindrance to their um, progression in life, and this yeah. is why this, yeah. the need for a psychologist may actually come into the picture. Um, and so yeah. that of, that element is really, really important as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, before we um, we round up, because we've been talking so much, and oh. we, could, we we could even go on and on about this topic as as how it relates to all of our business. And you even show so many layers of what it means to make a business worthy of, being, uh, of continuing. Let me just uh, uh, phrase it that way. Um, looking at your journey over the years and you know, studying people, studying businesses, could you share with us some of the major lessons that, yeah. you've, um, that you've taken with you uh, thus far?
2: Yes, absolutely. And I will share three, three lessons. Um, yeah, and you say, it's a journey that's, that's ongoing for me. Um, but, you know, if we can benefit from this, I would say, listen, life is a journey, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you're going through now is not going to last forever. Life is a journey. So essentially keep going. What you'll find is that you may move from what appears to be a challenge. You'll be moved, once you get past this bridge, there will be another one.
0: Yeah. Mm
2: right? So yeah. that is one thing that, that, that I think that I have noticed for myself. What's been very important for me is listing the wins along the way. Not only to celebrate the wins that, that I may have achieved, but also to reflect on what led up to those wins. And in my moments of reflection, what I have found is that leading up to those wins, many times there has been a period of darkness where perhaps I didn't see the way, right? Or where perhaps, yes, I was going through the steps to achieve, but maybe things were not as clear as when you see the light as yeah. say. Yeah. So in reflecting on the wins for me, it's also important um, that I reflect on that lead up to those wins because that's what then gives me the hope that A, this will not last forever and that B, I've done this before. You know, I've gone through harder times before and look at what they led to, hmm. you know, so, so this is why reflecting on, um, on my journey and what I have achieved in the past, that's why that's important for me. The second thing that I would say, and this comes with experience, is trust your gut. Hmm. Because many times, you know, many times, you know, right? So don't discount that gut feeling. Yes, there may be times when you have to, to be more in tune with it, and it may take some time to tune into yourself, but um, I would say from my time in, in, in corporate life, it's about knowing people and being able to judge where, whether you know, what someone is telling you really is what the true situation is, and many times you, you get a little bit of a, a, a gut feeling right and to entrepreneurship more than anything particularly if it's a brand new journey for you you will need to have that guidance and a lot of that comes from the in, from the inside knowing yourself and knowing when things are off knowing when something is authentic t- to you um yeah. because that des- that determines whether or not you proceed with it so keep on honing that gut instinct and the last thing that i would say is remain open right the best for me, I would say, many of the best experiences have happened to me when I have said yes, right? But remember, this is the third piece of advice that comes after trust your gut, right? So you don't <laughs> indiscriminately say yes to everything. Yeah. Right, but yeah. Some of the absolute best experiences have come when I have said yes, right? right? And it had and 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 those experiences have opened up my purview because maybe I, I, I ended up going through an experience that I could not have even imagined right for myself yeah and whether it's meeting someone new um, going on a journey with, with, with someone and just discovering a brand new way of operating a brand new way of doing things yeah. you don't know what you don't know and sometimes the only way that you can really get to that point is by saying yes and and sometimes figuring things out along the way but don't just throw caution to the wind and say yes to everything if your gut instinct isn't relatively well honed. And then in the worst case scenario, if it is that you do end up making missteps along the way, as you will, uh, be prepared to recover very quickly from those and learn.
0: Right. Wow, those are three amazing life lessons, I think applicable for anyone, whether you want to start a business, whether you are already in the journey, whether it's your career. I think these are just life lessons that are so important. And I resonate a lot with um, the trusting of your gut, but also being more open, something that I consciously started to do only last year and has opened so many doors, but also allowed me to say no to the right things. Um, that we're taking energy and not replacing it with anything right yes so um, I think it keeps you grounded it keeps you focused um, but also I think and and you're not always going to get it right because uh, you know it's still a a lesson and a journey like you said but for me I think personally starting to uh, trust myself more And then in the process, challenging myself more by saying yes to things that I'm not quite sure if I could do, if it was right for me, um, and then finding out, well, hey, this is absolutely not what I want to do the next time is also very valuable. Um, So I think, you know, understanding that. That's a
2: good, that's a really, really good point that you make. And if I can just um, elaborate just very quickly on that. It, It definitely is about, saying not only saying yes, but also knowing what to say no to, as I mentioned, everyone's journey is going to be completely different. Um, and some people start off saying, you know, I will, you know, it's, I'll follow the playbook of X or Y or Z entrepreneur. There are times that that person's journey is not at all the journey that you should be on. Right. But it's about being true and being authentic to yourself. There are opportunities that may look nice and rosy on the outside, that to some people that some people may not understand why you're saying no to yeah right so it's it's the it's the fantastic client who comes in maybe offers you a a a five-figure um five-figure project or a five-figure gig that you end up saying no to because a doesn't resonate with you or b no it's it's really not in line with what you're trying to achieve If the person who comes to you with an opportunity a business opportunity but then you say no because you're working on your own opportunity or your own project or your own business and you're seeing it unfold in a different way. So, Kimberly, I really like the fact that, that you highlighted and underscored the fact that you're saying yes, but also in doing that, you may be saying no to things that really help, help you develop your own journey along the path. Right. Yeah.
1: Very important.
2: And, and also
1: realizing, again, uh, listening to that gut feeling because yeah. it somehow ends up being right yeah. all the time.
0: <laughs> yes, yes.
2: Yes. 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 It does. It does. Indeed. Love it.
1: Um, you, We've known so much about your business, um, but just the last question that is a bit about you. What yes. do you do to, you know, keep your peace, relax, come to, you know, Rochelle, um, <laughs> Lady Rochelle, what, what do you do for that? <laughs>
2: Listen, I love nothing more, and, and I think Kimberly, I, I might have mentioned this to you. There is nothing that calms my soul more than looking out on a good water view. Yes. For me, for me, <laughs> that it's it's just the the balm that my soul needs. Fortunately, here in Amsterdam, I live just beside a canal. And there are just times when I find myself just looking out and looking out over the water and I find that really grounds me in some way. So that brings me peace and it could be two o'clock in the morning and just the stillness of the water is just what I need to calm Mm -hmm. my soul. You know, if I'm traveling on holiday, maybe it's listening to the ocean or listening to the sea. But give me a, a water view, give me access to water. And that for me is what gives me peace.
0: Oh, uh, I recognize that so much. I always gravitate to places at the water. In Spain, I looked for houses at the water. In Dubai, I made sure we lived at the water. And here we just bought a house at the water side because it's something that it just makes, and I think it, it kind of resonates also with its calm, but it's also freedom. And it yeah. feels like it's an endless thing that is just constantly like, you know, with the waves and um, it's, it's, it's so soothing because for me, what it helps it is kind of brings me out of whatever situation I am. It kind of takes my, allows my mind to, to go free and to think about other things or not think at all. Yeah, so um, I absolutely recognize. I love that.
1: Yeah, I can try it because yeah. <laughs> she's like <laughs> What what is yours, <laughs> Abba, What is yours? Yeah. It, it's it's looking over a view. So especially when I'm You're in right. my auntie's, she looks. Uh, she lives in an apartment. Then I could just stare out of the window, and yeah. she always makes fun of me and says. Yeah. You're you just like these grandmas that
0: you at at the windows all time. recording every case.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's just something that just, yeah, brings it all together and really calms the mind. Oh, I would try that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Thanks so no, thank you so for, much. so much
2: thank you so much for having me ladies and really i hope that you know some element of what i said resonates with some of your listeners um Um, i hope so (laughs) there
0: were absolute gems Um, and i think there were so many lessons in there that i always kind of listen to the conversations again and then i get new lessons out of it and i think it will do the same for for our listeners so thank you so much for sharing your experience and your knowledge with us
2: you're more than welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Where, where could people find you? Um,
1: you know, cause, cause they've learned so much about business continu- <laughs> continuity. Um, uh-huh. uh, where can they find you and they want to get on board?
2: Yes. So, um, they can visit the website that is www.successionstrength.com or they can follow me on LinkedIn, um, join the conversation the company has websites um or or sites on linkedin and and instagram and twitter um but feel free to give me a follow and reach out if you have
0: questions i am more than happy to engage awesome succession strength thank you so much for
2: you're welcome thank you ladies
0: <laughs> you as well <laughs>
2: bye. bye welcome well
1: we are uh, another uh, insightful conversation. Uh, I wish I, we could go on and on about it, but unfortunately, you know, time has its limits and new opportunities.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know, I learned so much. Um, yeah. It was uh, even more in depth than uh, that I could have hoped for. Um, so many unexpected, I think, uh, revelations and things to think about. I think every one of us that is into entrepreneurship in, at any stage should be thinking about okay how am I making sure that I set this business up to last and one of the things that we don't think about is making sure that you know documentation is in order document what you yeah. do what makes the business go and um, who uh, has access to that and how can I make sure people have access to that so I think yeah. um, some of the The main things that I have learned is that, you know, continuity and succession is really something that we all should be thinking about at some point, Um, whether it's in our lives, whether it is in our business. um, And also, um, if you are starting out a business, choose the journey that is right for you. You know, Rochelle was really clear about needing and wanting it to be something that she could plan uh, well. And she did it in her own way. And um, if you are the kind of person who jumps in, also make sure that you kind of cover the ground um, and the basics.
1: Yeah. And don't just think about this when you when you're 50 plus and go into pension and, um, you know, but really deciding and recognizing that earlier on, this is this is something that deserves well-needed attention and, and a plan <laughs> as it, as it speaks on its, uh, on its own. I love it. I'm looking forward to, um, uh, to sharing this with, uh, with the world. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Women About Business. Join us every week on Thursdays on this podcasting platform. Do you want to catch us live? Join our show on High Radio on every Tuesday, 8 p.m. C.E.T., connect with us and join our discussions on Instagram or LinkedIn at women about business and follow me Miss Ava on Instagram Twitter and Facebook at ms.aba.